Hello and welcome to a new episode of the Magic Tavern. My name is Giuliano. I'm Siggy. And today we are going to discuss a little bit because there's literally nothing going on in Standard at the moment and yeah. no spoilers of Emoncat. So, yeah, what are going we what are we going to discuss today? Um well, looking at current Standard formats and uh, the standard format in the recent, let's say, two years or so. One card type has been quite, uh, let's say, dominant. Yeah, you could you could say dominant, but um, you could also say um, pretty present, <laughs> pretty much yeah. slapped in your face. I would say. Oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, what we're going to talk about is planeswalkers. Yes, and. Uh, we're mostly going to talk about Planeswalkers in the context of how they affect Standard, but also uh, about like the way Planeswalkers are designed, the kind of impact they have on the story of Magic, and so on and so forth. Basically, anything about Planeswalkers. Yeah. Uh, what's your general stance on Planeswalkers? So, um, yeah, I like Planeswalkers, to be honest. So I like how they play, I like how, how powerful they are, and how they feel if you place one. So if you place a planeswalker, your your opponent is almost every time like, oh Jesus, you know, <laughs> I, I like that. I know it's it's like playing blue. I think if your opponent mm. is playing something and you go nope, and your opponent is like, oh Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, um, to be honest, I, I really like planeswalkers. I think they add really a new strate uh, strategic aspect to the game if you have to face one or if you play one so um oh maybe for the beginning um when the uh, when the planeswalkers uh, were introduced to magic planeswalkers were first introduced in lawwin in 2007 so this year is actually the 10 year anniversary of planeswalkers in magic the gathering exactly so uh, back to the topic <laughs> um yeah so if you have to face a planeswalker so we will not explain how planeswalkers work because i think everybody <laughs> know how planeswalker work, works so yes. um if you have to play a face one so you can say okay i have to play around it can can i ignore him most times no you can't ignore a planeswalker you can't stand, uh, play, uh, be on the field more than two three turns or it it's just too much because planeswalkers are well cumulative oh jesus Help me. C cumulative card ah, Yeah, sorry. Cumulative... <laughs> okay. That's... They add up <laughs> value. Every turn they stay on the field. Mm -hmm. So if you play one and you use his, I don't know, plus one, plus two, or even his first minus ability, it's just enough value to, um, yeah, just, um, I don't know. Take over the game. Yeah, take over the game. So if you... Uh, play up Liliana, as the new Liliana, Last Hope, with her plus one on turn three, you basically shut down your opponent's maybe biggest uh, creature. Well, yeah. it could be a three, I don't know, three two, so it becomes a one one. What he's gonna, doing with, uh, gonna do with that? Mm -hmm. Yeah, so uh, my basic stance on Planeswalkers is that I'm not that big of a fan of them. I uh, certainly accept their existence as something that's part of magic now but I feel like uh, especially with the direction planeswalkers are currently taking they are a big issue for the game and they warp the entire game of magic around them in a kind of unnatural manner yeah I, I could agree with that because most decks are basically yeah, you, you play Gideon, and that's enough. That's <laughs> yeah. enough value for himself. Or the biggest mistake, I would say, is Jace the Mind Sculptor. This Planeswalker <laughs> could easily win a game uh, by himself. So mm. that's why he's banned. Yeah, I mean, he still does that in Vintage. If you look at Vintage, at all of the uh, lists that play, like, uh, Monastery Mentor, Gush, they usually run uh, 
some number of Jace the Mind Sculptors. Because Jace the Mind Sculptor in Vintage is a card that can basically take over and run away with the game once it hits the field. Yeah, so, um, but I would say that that's an exception, to be honest, because most Planeswalkers, uh, they are powerful and they are dangerous, but a deck full of power, uh, of, of um, Planeswalkers isn't uh, enough. You have to build something around them. So Gideon alone can can maybe protect himself with one creature he creates, but if your opponent has by turn three or four, like a board state of two or three creatures, you can't do anything alone with Gideon. I can definitely see where you're coming from, but I feel like Gideon specifically is not necessarily a great example here, because as you said, Gideon is one of the planeswalkers that can protect himself with no downside whatsoever in two different ways even. He can make a token or he can turn himself into a creature that's indestructible. Okay, yeah, that, that, that was a bad example. But, but let's, uh, let's take like uh, Liliana, for example. Yeah, Liliana, the last hope. She is powerful. So uh, we mentioned it in, a, in our uh, previous German cast that uh, we didn't like Liana, how she was designed when she was spoiled. Then it turned out she was pretty powerful mm -hmm. for a 3 CMC walker. Um, but she is still a 3 CMC walker, so she can be, no, well, you can bolt her away. So there's no bolt in standard. But you can, um, what was there, like uh, Harness Lightning? Like, no, can you, you can't can you, do that. Uh, no, Harness Lightning can't hit players. Yeah, well, and that's the biggest problem with the card. It only can uh, it can only hit creatures. Oh yeah, yeah. But uh, you know what what I mean. You you can target her, so she has to be protected in a way. Um, yes, I know it's no. it's difficult to get rid of planeswalkers because there is no effective way at the moment to get rid of them. Yes. Uh, so one of the big things that I don't like about Planeswalkers, as you just said, is that there's almost no card and or mana efficient removal for Planeswalkers. The best Planeswalker removal we have across all sets ever is basically either, uh, I think Terminate was the one that kills Planeswalkers, and Hero's Downfall. Apart from that, of course, you can kill Planeswalkers with uh, player damage, as you've just outlined. However, if we take a look at most Planeswalkers, they usually come in with three or more loyalty. So even if you were to Lightning Bolt a Planeswalker, you can't do that before they activate their first ability on their turn. Which means that you need to be able to deal at least, say, four damage to a planeswalker in order to be able to kill them and the big problem in standard right now for me at least with planeswalkers is that most of them have a cmc of three or four and that's fairly early uh, like they can come down fairly early in the game considering it's standard usually you are not able to just throw away like four damage on turn three to kill a planeswalker efficiently yeah, sure. You you have, as I mentioned uh, in the previous cast, if you drop a, a turn three Liliana, you basically or most most of the time you have a board state, just um, I don't know one two creatures, and then you put down a Liliana, so your opponent on his fourth or maybe third turn has to think: Do I attack Liliana? Is she? dangerous enough that I have to concentrate my attacks on her or do I have to um, yeah, build up my own board state so I can totally understand what you are saying but um, yeah as I said planeswalkers alone can't do very much so um, except for Jace the Mind Sculptor or Gideon but most of the planeswalkers can't do anything by themselves really it depends on the environment they're in, I think. And if you look at current or recent standard metagames, then I feel like it's quite apparent that uh, Planeswalkers in decks are the driving force rather than the supporting cast, if that makes sense. So 
for instance, look at all the Mardu decks in Standard right now. They play Gideon, and Gideon is like one of the absolute most center cards in those like white Mardu-ish aggro strategies. Without Gideon, they would be a lot worse. Rather than they can play the deck just fine without Gideon, but if you added Gideon, they would be a bit better. And I feel like that's basically the big issues. Planeswalkers, in recent years, after, let's say, Magic Origins, have become the uh, like face or marquee cards of sets. And usually you want your uh, face cards to be pushed to a certain extent, so they... So you can basically guarantee that they end up seeing standard play. Now, if you more or less make all of your pushed cards in your set Planeswalkers, they are going to be everywhere. Well, that's a good point there. So um, maybe we just found a solution, I would say. We could maybe change the face of a set to not only Planeswalkers. I mean, it's it's good to have... (laughs) something to rely on so something to identify with so if you say well i I like to play white so um and i like how gideon plays most of the time so most gideon planeswalkers are the same so most of the time gideon turns himself into a creature or uh, pumps out some knight or whatever um so i like that i like that style so i'm yeah i like gideon so you have something to identify with but um, yeah, I understand your point. It would be really nice to see something other to be the face of a set. Well, because mm-hmm. yeah, I know uh, Eldritch Moon and Ember Cool, <laughs> but yeah, the face of Eldritch Moon was still Liliana. Yeah, actually, both Liliana and Ember Cool. And the funny part is that the one card that wasn't the Planeswalker got banned in Standard. Yeah, so it was too pushed yeah and that's the exact same problem with planeswalkers like one could argue that some of the face planeswalkers are at least in a closed standard environment similarly pushed to how emrakul was incredibly pushed yeah exactly um uh yeah <clears throat> but um oh yeah we could maybe mention how were uh, how were planeswalkers built before origins? So planeswalkers were mostly really expensive, powerful, but yes. expensive. Look at Nicol Bolas. <laughs> that guy costs oh, yeah. around, I think, eight mana. Yep. But if he hits the battlefield, you're screwed. Pretty much Definitely. screwed. Or uh, think of Khan Liberated. Oh yeah. Seven mana, and he basically wins the game in modern Tron decks because he's that good. But yeah, he is expensive and he requires a certain style of deck building to be made use of. Now, if we look at more recent Planeswalkers, that is not really the case. Yeah, they, they can play with pretty much anything. So, uh, again, Gideon. There's no white deck where you won't uh, don't want to play him because he's yeah. too good. If you want to play uh, Khan Liberated, you have to build a, a certain deck around him. You can't mm-hmm. just put him anywhere because he's colorless and just cost just cost seven mana. Yeah. Or like Nicol Bolas. He, <laughs> if it, I yeah. mean, he's the he's the core of Grixis. So if you want to play him, you have to play Grixis. Exactly. And you have to play a certain deck of Grixis. You can't play. You have to play Grixis. Grixis hard control basically because he costs eight mana. Yeah. And uh, that's a very good point because. If you remember Shadows of Innistrad standard, even the black-white hard control deck in that format played Gideon. And, and that, that, that is that, stupid. That makes absolutely no sense. The core of white-black uh, white is y- you just drain your enemy. Yeah, you grind them out slowly and surely, and then you've got this fucking four-mana 5-5 sitting there bashing your opponent every turn because it's that good of a card. Yeah, so if we didn't have Gideon, then Sauron would would have been really good. 
for this day. He would six be, mana, right? Yeah, yeah six he, mana. He would have been amazing. Soren Grim Nemesis, I yep. think, yeah. Sure. He, he is good, but mm -hmm. because of Gideon, you can't play him because yeah. it makes no sense to play a six six mana two colored planeswalker when when there's a more powerful monocolored one. That's so, also two mana cheaper. Yeah. And Yeah, and, and that's also the reason why uh, Ajani, for instance, isn't seeing play. I mean we talked about that card back when we were still doing our German podcast, and we both agreed that he can be an incredibly powerful planeswalker in the right deck. But there's just no place for him because Gideon exists. Yeah, and <laughs> you're just drifting me away to hate planeswalkers, but that's not <laughs> the case. I still love planeswalkers. It's just the problem is, I think, the design at the moment. So, mm -hmm. as we mentioned, they're too far pushed into the into the meta. So, yeah, Gideon is <laughs> the face to, for too far pushed. If we look at Nyssa, the three CMC from um, Oath of the Gatewatch. Yeah, exactly. Oath of the Gatewatch. She's good. Yeah, but doesn't play very well in every deck. So, yeah, so I would say she she is well designed. She's definitely a lot better than Gideon because she requires a certain approach to deck building. She is, of course, strong for that kind of deck. I mean, we saw the uh, green white tokens deck with uh, Gideon, of course, and <laughs> Nissa as four of each that performed quite well during. Oh god, was that Shadows of Innistrad or Eldritch Moon? Uh, I really don't remember. One of the two, definitely. And uh, she's, I'd say, reasonable for a three-mana planeswalker, much more so than something like Liliana the Last Hope, for instance. Because that one is already really pushed for a three-mana <laughs> planeswalker. Yeah, she's really powerful. Um, um, yeah, and, and, and that is the point. A good designed planeswalker has to be built around to work properly. Yes, I 100% agree. So if we uh, go back a bit in history and look at some older Planeswalkers, I think we can do like sort of a direct comparison here. Planeswalkers nowadays, as I've said, are too powerful and generic. You can fit them into basically any deck that plays the color. And if you go back in time... And look at a card like uh, Venser, the Sojourner. He's a 5-mana Planeswalker for 3 white and blue that basically interacts with uh, flickering your stuff. So he can uh, flicker stuff, and his ultimate is, I think, every time something leaves the battlefield, it gets exiled, all of that kind of stuff. Yeah, He is quite narrow design-wise, because you basically want to build like a band flicker-type deck around him to abuse ETBs to gain value. And uh, he actually perfectly fits the bill of what you described earlier. You need a certain, not only a certain board state, but a certain type of board state to really make him a good card. As opposed to Gideon, who can just come down on no board state, smash in for five and threaten to uh, take over the game. Yeah. Um, yeah, exactly. That That's the point. So the Sojourner is a good design card because if you build the right deck, he's absolutely powerful. Just smashes everything. When the flickering is, I think, one of the most powerful effects in Magic. If you if you understand the stack, so there's a certain point if you're a beginner in Magic, like me one, a year ago, I didn't understand the stack really good. So um, I was a bad player, to be honest. And then I have the, the, that moment where I understood the stack and basically you become a better player right at the moment when you understand the stack. So and flickering yeah. is one part of that. If you understand the stack, you can play a powerful flicker deck mm -hmm. and then you can play um, the Sojourner like that. Yeah. So And Gideon is, well, it, I can understand what Wizards is trying to do. They want... To make it more uh, beginner friendly for um, Magic, I mean, it's just logical. They're yeah, they're uh, a, f uh, a business. They want to make money. They want to attract more people into the game, and Gideon is a really player friendly planeswalker because you don't have to think much. You just smash him down. You go all right. Um, well, if you make if I make him a creature, he can't attack this turn. Well, then I make a zero. 
So yeah. next turn you go, well, I have a bot state, I have Gideon, I go plus one, <laughs> he's indestructible, and go. Exactly. And yeah, Gideon is just incredible like that. And the big takeaway here, I feel, is that I think, and you probably agree, that Planeswalkers should fill more of a niche role. And they should fit into certain, let's say, diversified strategies rather than be just generically good and not only playable, but necessary for every viable standard deck. Yeah, sure. As, as you mentioned, they should be a supportive role. Just like um, if, if we look at uh, maybe um, uh, Sahili. Yeah, Sahili yeah. Ray. So she is a good planeswalker in the right deck, but in that colors, there's... Uh, at the moment, there is a copycat deck. But before that, there yeah. was no reason to play her because there were more powerful decks and Gideon. <laughs> yeah. So if we just... Ju uh, now we just take out Gideon and Liliana and look at the standard with the Planeswalkers. So what would happen, you think? Uh, I think maybe Tezzeret the Schemer might end up seeing a bit of play, possibly. Because he's seeing no play at all right now. And I don't think that should be the case. Because he's still a decent card. Um, what are we left just with? insane in the right deck. I think uh, Chandra, Torch of Defiance, would be incredible. If oh, he yeah. took out Gideon and Liliana. Yeah. Uh, Sorin, Grim Nemesis, might see a bit of play. Six Mana Ajani might see a bit of play. I would say they Ajani would see play. Because a, f a free Swords to Plowshares is awesome. Yeah. So if we don't have Gideon to play with, we can basically uh, concentrate on more, yeah, more strategies. So more different st strategies. Yeah, I mean, the big problem with Standard right now, I feel, is that uh, with how Planeswalkers are, you, instead of, like, diversifying the standard format and having a bunch of different viable deck archetypes, you uh, make it so all you do right now, with Gideon as an example, is you either play uh, aggressive mid-range, like Mardu Vehicles, you play true mid-range with Gideon, like uh, Mardu Ballista, for instance, or you play controlling mid-range, also with Gideon. So um, we could, well, then the, at the moment the standard is not magic that's happening, <laughs> it's magic Gideon, <laughs> basically, at the moment. Yeah, I mean, so, magic the Gideoning would be MTG, <laughs> so... Oh, oh we, we, we just, uh, we, uh, damn it, we just... Uh, Found our title for this week's episode? Yeah... Possibly. MTG, Magic the Gideoning. That's the title. <laughs> Let's do it. Um, all right. Um, yeah, but I'm really excited. So if we look forward, um, I'm really excited for um, after Amon Cat when Zendikar and Innistrad is out. Mm -hmm. So um, you have no Liliana, no Gideon. Yep. You're left with, I would say, Nickel Bolas. <laughs> Hopefully. He has to come. Please. Yeah, no, he's going to be there, but I hope he's not going to suck. And I hope he's not just going to be like 5 CMC, I don't know. If they don't put him at at least 8 CMC, <laughs> I'm going to be really salty. Uh, I, I could live with like 7 if they wanted to make him like really pushed and playable for control decks. But I would ideally like to see him at like 8 or I maybe, think eight is a good number. Or maybe nine because he's becoming more powerful. Or that. I mean, Nicol Bolas died once and he returned more powerful than ever. So. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so we can agree on that that Gideon is just busted. Mm -hmm. Liliana, too. And 
that's the problem yeah see how, uh, how, how yeah. could we how could we change that so what what, what design uh, rather than um, make them well designed what is well designed and what could Ooh, could wizard change that's hard um so basically my main gripe with planeswalkers as a card is that they provide uh as you said earlier cumulative card advantage and the access to that type of card advantage is too easy if you have a planeswalker because usually the way you gain those advantages is through setting up say some sort of engine or some combination of cards that can accrue value over time with planeswalkers you get all of that in one package for basically nothing so if you play just look Again, Jace the Mind Sculptor. What what was a CMC? Like I think four. four, four, and you get a draw three cards, scry two, basically, or scry three. Yeah, well, no, he's draw. Th he's like brainstorm on zero. Yeah, draw three, put two back on top. So scry two. Draw draw one, scry two. Sorry. So um. Or rather, yeah, it's just brainstorm, and if you have a fetch land, then it's basically draw three for free. Yeah. So. That's he just... also bounces creatures and fate seals your opponent and has an ultimate that wins the game. Yeah. Immediately. So that is just, to be honest, stupid design. A planeswalker has to be, well, a support, a, a support card. And yeah, like, what is, what is a good support card? Uh, besides Nissa. Nissa is not... You know? Yeah. I, I think one surprisingly well-designed planeswalker in the current standard environment or at least back when uh band company was still a deck was tamio i think she oh, feels yeah. uh, she feels a nice spot I yeah think. tamio we could also say that tamio is also a little bit busted take gideon and liliana out so tamio is now playable i yeah. would say and Her plus one, or was it plus two? Uh, well, doesn't matter. Her first ability was basically attack, draw two cards, block, draw two cards at, uh, at best. Yeah. So um, that's well designed because this doesn't do anything without creatures. So you basically need at least creatures from your enemy because you can't target them. Yep. Um Then her minus, or oh, what was her minus? I think you tap down stuff with her minus ability. Oh, yeah. Yeah, sure. And her ultimate, which was, um, I think, on turn four or five after she drops? I'm not sure. It depends on whether she was plus one or plus two. I'm not sure anymore, but... But she has to be on the field uh, sometime. Yeah. And then if you ultimate her, uh, her you basically win the game. Yeah. <laughs> Because you get an... Uh, Draw uh, an ancestral recall and um, omniscience. What? Omniscience. So, yeah, just do what you want, basically. Mm -hmm. And yeah, so but you have to build it up. Definitely. And uh, building her up has shown to be nigh impossible with uh, the other good planeswalkers in the format. Good, yeah. Yeah. So uh, one other as. Oh wait, no, we're still on designing planeswalkers that are good so yeah tamio would be a good recent example in my opinion of a strong planeswalker that's not too good that fills like a nice niche role um older examples of good planeswalkers would include something like uh Venser the sojourner as i mentioned earlier or uh i think most of the uh khan's block planeswalkers were actually quite decent Oh yeah, Sarkhan? Was it Sarkhan? Yeah. He was at nice colors. So it was uh, Timur? Mm -hmm. Yeah, Timur colors. And he basically was for a dragon deck. Or yeah. dragon's deck. And if you made one for your, say, say, kitchen table magic, you were powerful. Because Definitely. he was really good. He made mana for free. Which is, I think it was even his plus ability. You, Maybe, yeah. What was it? You, I think you can make... a Colored mana of your choice, and his ultimate was, I 
think, uh, grab every dragon in your deck and put it on the battlefield. So basically, <laughs> go to hell. <laughs> yeah. And yeah, but you have to build a dragon deck. Exactly. And uh, Ugin is kind of in a similar spot as, uh, what's his face? Khan. Yeah, sure. He's colorless, but he's expensive. I think it was 8 mana? Yeah, 8 mana. And I mean, his abilities are incredible. You get uh, a plus 2 lightning bolt. You can minus X him and he starts at 7 to make uh, everyone sacrifice their colored permanence of CMC X or lower. And his ultimate is basically like a reverse Nicol Bolas ultimate. So you draw 7, I think you gain 7 life, put 7 permanents from your hand into play. Yeah, something like that. But you needed 8 mana, so you had to build like a Tron deck. So yeah. you need strong land base and yeah, a lot of rocks. Yeah, so, and uh, um, he's also really built around, but he has the payoff if you build around him. Yeah, so um, well, we could add up to say um, a good designed Planeswalker should be a little bit more expensive. Well, maybe not not every yeah. time too expensive, but he has to be I'd a payoff. Three mana Planeswalkers should probably not exist for the most part. Not exist or be a lot weaker yes. than Liliana. So... Um, because uh, I would say ulti uh, the ultimate of Liliana is the is the problem because she can be protected very well because he's a three CMC walker and so early on you can build up a good state a board state and build uh, build further and then if you ult her it's over mm -hmm. you are overrun by zombies so um, the ultimate of a three uh, three CMC walker should be less powerful. It More depends. of a su supportive role, I think. Maybe like, um, don't know, like Gideon, uh, the ultimate. Uh, so the ultimate of Gideon is uh, <laughs> all your creatures get plus one, plus one. Maybe something like for Liliana, all the creatures of your opponent get minus three, minus three forever. So you have to build it up. That would be insane. Well, but you have to build it up. So um, you, you, you would say to your opponent, well, you can still play, but you need powerful creatures to even um, do something. So it's an ultimate, but it doesn't end the game that easily for a 3 CMC walker. See, just to be an example. I'd, uh, I'd put Liliana's ultimate at all your opponent's creatures get minus one, minus one, and make it so she can't ult before she's been in play for three turns. Yes. That would be fair, in my opinion. Yeah, something like that. So, um, but lo lower even the then, I think her Plus one, uh, plus one and her minus ability are the big problem because with uh, three CMC Planeswalkers, the big thing is that, as we said earlier, they generate cumulative advantage. And the earlier you can get this kind of engine onto the field, the more advantages it's going to create over the course of the game. That means that a three CMC Planeswalker if he's not significantly weaker than, say, a 4-CMC Planeswalker, will have one full turn of extra advantages to grant to you. And that's huge for any kind of engine. Yeah, for, yeah, and for an engine that stays on the field for at least a turn. And, yeah. And most of the times they stay a, bit, a little bit longer. So mm -hmm. it's it's basically... You pay three mana and you get like four or five spells out of her or out of the yeah, And yeah, that's just too powerful for three CMC or for turn three. So for turn, turn I don't know, five, six, if you have the rocks or even seven or eight, if it's a control match and you put down your Karn or whatever, then yeah, it's at the end of the game. So you can't. He can, um, sorry, he can end the game. He can add that extra value you need to turn your game and whatever, uh, what's on. So, um, yeah, that's good design. You, yeah. you, you play them late, but if you play them, they basically turn the game for you. Yeah, and uh, one other part about mana-efficient Planeswalkers is that the more mana a Planeswalker costs 
the more of an investment it is. Because three mana is not a big investment. Yeah, you, you could like, play Liliana at turn seven, go, oh yeah, um, I play two mana for that and two mana for that, and oh yeah, I have still three mana for Liliana, go. Yeah. That's just... If you compare that to, say, uh, if the average mana rate for a Planeswalker were like five or six mana, you would have to decide a lot of your game plan and a lot of your deck building around how well you'll be able to take advantage of that. Yeah, sure. And a point uh, a point that I uh, wrote down is if we should or if they should limit the amount of planeswalkers that is in a deck, but they don't have to do that um, artificially, just like, okay, guys, you can only have four planeswalkers in your deck. If they design them so that you won't play more than like four or five yeah. any, at any time. So you go like, okay, this planeswalker is really powerful, but it costs like five or six mana, so I can't really rely on him. He yeah. can support my game, but... If I don't draw him, I have to win otherwise. Yeah. And Gideon is like, well, there's still Liliana and there's still like a bunch of other um, creatures. So if I drop down, I basically win. Yeah, I feel like the uh, big issue, especially with a card like Gideon, is that I think ideally if you wanted to play with Planeswalkers you'd need to commit to a certain style of deck. For instance, a mid-range deck. Since mid-range is the type of deck that is best fit to abuse engines and to gain a lot of incremental advantage. And if you look at Gideon, he is good enough to be played in what's supposed to be an aggro deck. And aggro decks, with their whole like design philosophy at least on a uh, from a historical perspective should not be the type of decks that would want to play a card like Gideon well at least as a 4 CMC walker so you you can play a 3 CMC walker to support your aggro plan like well i don't know he he pushes your creatures or something like that so you go with an aggressive creature and you push him a little bit, so your opponent is just, uh, well, fuck. And Gideon is yeah, just... I, I play him myself. I play Maru Ballista because it's a really powerful deck. But I myself think that Gideon is bullshit. He's insane. Yeah, it's it's just, just stupid. Yeah, and the issue is that Planeswalkers being as omnipresent as they are they really do uh, sort of homogenize the whole uh, standard environment. Like I said earlier, you don't have aggro mid-range control. You have three flavors of mid-range. And uh, I think the reason for that is that because of these pushed planeswalkers, other cards in the format that might potentially be good just get pushed out of the format. For instance, take uh, Chandra, Torch of Defiance, and a card like Collective Defiance. The yeah. uh, three mana, two red uh, rare from, I think, Eldritch Moon with yeah, Escalade. Yeah, Eldritch Moon with Escalade, yeah. That is a good card. But if you pay just one mana more, you get Chandra, who basically does the same thing and more. And she stays on the battlefield while doing it, so you can do the same things every turn rather than just once. Yeah, and that's, that's also the problem, that they add too many planeswalkers. Their plan to add, I think the plan is six walkers for a block. So, mm -hmm. like, four in the first set and the other two in the second set. And that's that's not good. So, they, that's like, okay, guys, we built two... Uh, three, um, I don't know. We built yeah, now three planeswalkers. We also need three more. So what do yeah. what do we do? Uh, okay, we have this card. Just add that to the ultimate <laughs> of them. So Tezzeret schema. Um, 
you know, there's an enchantment, I think. Yeah, an aura enchantment. Uh, that basically Tesseret's touch. Yeah, that basically mm-hmm. is Tesseret's ultimate on a on a stick. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah, so this is I mean this is bad design, to be honest. If yeah, there's an effect but in the same set. I mean it's it's good if you see a sorts of plowshares on a Jani. Because you yeah. think, Oh yeah, nice, that, that's the sorts of plowshares <laughs> after ten sets or so. <laughs> yeah. But in the same set <laughs> yeah that that's a bit stupid especially because i don't know it's just so dumb if you look at what standard is like now or what it's going to be like after a uh, hour of devastation comes out we're going to have a uh, battle for zendikar block shadows of innistrad block kaladesh block and armon ket that's four blocks two sets each with like six planeswalkers per block so we've got 24 planeswalkers at least half of which are pushed beyond reason yeah and the rest is just not playable mm-hmm. like uh, uh what was the werewolf uh, named arlen uh, court yeah arlen court it's a great card she's great uh, that's a great design to have uh another flip walker that's a werewolf so yeah. you have basically the the essence of what a werewolf is in a planeswalker but can't play her because she's too bad yeah <laughs> so if they put a little bit more effort into designing her and maybe put her in a, in a good environment or make better cards to be honest she could have seen stand-up play yeah or if the uh whole lot of pushed generic planeswalkers didn't exist i mean imagine how cool it would be to just play with tamio and arlen cord and uh kiora oh from yeah battle for zendika yeah what if those were the main planeswalkers yeah what if what if they're, they're uh, they would would have been the face of the set so they would be yeah rather more powerful and that's that's just stupid design and we we see they can they can do it they can design Absolutely. good cards but they destroy it by designing stupid cards like Gideon <laughs> and Liliana yeah see um of course there is a lot of merit to uh having the whole like gate watch thing going on with a consistent cast of characters i hope to die <laughs> <laughs> but one thing that fundamentally changed about the way uh, Wizards of the Coast approaches storytelling in Magic is that what they used to do was, okay, here's a plane. Now, let's look at what this plane is like. It's it's kind of similar to how, say, you uh, start a game of Dungeons & Dragons or something and you're dropped into a world you've never seen before. The first thing you try to do is find out, okay, what is this world about? How does it work? What are the people there like? Nowadays, with the Gatewatch, you don't really get much of that anymore. It's still there, of course, but it's much less important. It's not the focus anymore. The focus yeah. is, <laughs> what does this cast of like five or six characters do on this plane? Yeah, it's like a bad comedy. You go on like the first five or ten minutes of the movie. Oh, nice Kaladesh inventions and nice people and really creative uh, ways of doing something. And, well, magic is uh, prohibited, but it's still there because ether is magic, to be honest. And bash! Oh, yeah, there's, there's Chandra. <laughs> so, well, and then there's, there's like... Uh, Jace and yeah, they they <laughs> yeah. drop down and go what like. What is he even doing here? Yeah, well, he's not even mentioned uh, uh, really, and he's still there just because it's the yeah. cast. It's like an episode of Friends. <laughs> even <laughs> if one of the friends yeah. is not important for the episode, he's still there. Yeah, that's why. <laughs> that is very true. And that's a... did we just compare the Gatewatcher to Friends? Uh, yes, we did. <laughs> and it, it's true. Oh, that's sad. That's a it little bit sad. I, I really hope uh, they die, or at least they, got devast- they, they, they get devastated by <laughs> uh, Nicol Bolas, and they start a new cycle 
of planeswalkers and they reduced them a little bit to be honest to yeah ju just like okay we we will add planeswalkers to a set it's it's okay to add at least one planeswalker to a set but to not push them like okay we have to do four yeah. but there is no place for like the green one but we have to do a green one damn it okay what do we do oh yeah that's that there's that mecha mechanic from that card yeah add that and that's good yeah i'm i'm also not a fan of that i think that uh i mean generally speaking certain constraints definitely increase creativity but I feel like this kind of artificial constraint, like, okay, we need to do this, is not the right kind of constraint. You don't make designers more creative by saying, okay, let's have a generic green 4 CMC planeswalker here that somehow interacts with creatures or something like that. Yeah, that's like, you could say, um, I don't know if uh, wizards changed their minds because the sets that we are seeing now are designed a year or two ago. So uh, we have to wait a little bit, to be honest. Mm -hmm. um, if that changes after um, I'm in and Out of Devastation, when the new cycle of standard begins. But still, um, I hope that they go back and say like, okay, guys, we have this plane and this is going on and... Just design cards and look if you can make maybe cool planeswalkers. If you can only do two because of reasons, I don't yeah. know. It just doesn't make sense to add a white one. Then, well, there isn't a white one. I mean, you have three other blocks that come. So you can add there maybe a white one, but then there's no red one because it doesn't make sense on the plane to make a red planeswalker. Yeah. And I think uh, if you don't constrain yourself to do like a planeswalker of every color in a block or something like that you can then go around and uh design the cards in your set like your spells and your creatures with that in mind you now have a lot of open design space to be able to make more interesting spells more interesting creatures because you don't need to focus that energy on trying to pump out planeswalkers yeah exactly and like the big thing i feel is that in the end planeswalkers really warp the game around them like no other card type because basically first of all there's almost no efficient planeswalker removal as we've said earlier oh yeah we mentioned it in a i think it was yeah it was a german cast but we discussed it a little bit that there isn't good removal at the moment. They yeah. don't want to design a good artifact removal. They don't want to design a good creature removal. Well, Fatal Push is there, but that's an exception, to be honest. Yeah. And there's absolutely no good Planeswalker removal at the moment. Yeah. And that's just plain stupid in an environment where Planeswalkers are the face of magic. Yeah, I mean, it, it also follows this uh, design philosophy they had been following for a bit, where it was basically, okay, uh, we don't really want cards that work too well against the uh, strategy we're trying to push. I mean, we saw it with vehicles, we saw it with uh, Delirium. Yeah. No graveyard hate anywhere to be seen. Except Still. for Kalitas and... <laughs> oh, that's a bad joke unfortunately <laughs> yeah <laughs> kalitos doesn't do anything against delirium is the problem yeah it, ju it does it just uh exiles creatures if they are on the field yeah if they leave the battlefield so if you mill yourself you yeah mm -hmm. just keep your delirium and delirium online uh yeah now the big issue is here I feel like I've said the big issue is like 20 times over this podcast. <laughs> but well, there are we... a lot of big issues. <laughs> well, and there are a lot of big Gideons. So we mentioned Gideon like a hundred times. 
probably. Whoa, we could we could listen to the pod the, this podcast and add a Gideon counter to it. Please no, <laughs> Gideon, Gideon, Gideon. <laughs> I'm not going to do that. Oh, sorry. <laughs> um, but yeah, so. How do you remove planeswalkers when you don't have spells that say destroy target planeswalker? Well, it, it won't say that you need a card to, to that's ex yeah. uh, especially says or remove how? target planeswalker because that would be a sideboard card. You need yeah. like a strong or removal I mean, card for the main board that says remove uh, a non-land permanent. Yeah, or destroy like, target creature or planeswalker or. Uh, a two-mana deal four to target player only. Because you could use yeah. that to burn face or to hit players. But the best burn spell we got against Planeswalkers was, and I kid you not, in the Chandra Planeswalker deck, Flame Lash. Four mana, one of which is red, instant, deal four damage to target creature or player. That's the best red Planeswalker removal we got in standard right now. And this is bad. If this is the best card we get, this is yeah. bad. It's horribly mana inefficient. And it's not a card you should want to play. It's horrible. But that's what it is. And the only way you can then try to deal with those Planeswalkers is by playing a bunch of creatures. Yeah, <laughs> I can't add anything to that. So. And it goes even further. If you push planeswalkers, you need to push creatures because they need to be able to get through somehow. So you end up with all of these like huge, sticky creatures. We are seeing a lot of 2-3s lately. Yeah, uh, not only that. We see a lot of value creatures like yes. Talus Tracker. Talus Tracker mm -hmm. is stupidly strong. He He goes like, well... If you go, if you are going on to play the game, I get stronger every land drop. Yep. Yeah, and, and uh, yeah, that, that's that's I would say uh, is this power creep that everybody is talking about. Yeah, and it's it is power creep in a way, but the issue with it, I feel, is that it's power creep just for one or two elements of the game. For creatures and for planeswalkers. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, oh, yeah. No, I understand what you want to mention. Uh, so, yeah, they push planeswalkers. Okay, they got too powerful. Okay, we have to push creatures. Oh no, creatures are too powerful. We have to push planeswalkers, and they forgot <laughs> about instants. Maybe what yeah. about them? Instants, sorceries. We need better spells, like, <laughs> and the most ridiculous part about this all is that. While creatures and planeswalkers get pushed beyond reason, we get spells that are just strictly worse than things that have been printed before and that don't really fit the power level of the set appropriately. Like when, when you have two types of cards in Magic that are good in a standard environment and all the other types suck, that does not make for an interesting and diverse format. Yeah, and that's why it's called Magic the Tappening. <laughs> some, <laughs> some discussions. Yeah, but I just thought um, thought about it. What if Fatal Push had the extra clause that says creatures or planeswalkers? So the first first uh, clause would say, well, there aren't two CMC planeswalkers, but if you get your revolt online, you basically smash four cmc or lower planeswalkers so you can that destroy gideon amazing. you can destroy gideon it, it wouldn't be it wouldn't any, uh, even be that powerful because you can't hit soren you can't hit uh the big chandra from off of the gatewatch yep. so this card uh, these cards are basically untouched and something like liliana nissa uh gideon the four cmc chandra are destroyed but mm -hmm. you have to get revolt online what which is not that difficult but you have to do it yeah and it would be really nice and to be honest not that powerful yeah that that would be amazing like i i would love that because yeah. that, that would be a great answer to like all of the planeswalker issues well if they could only release like 
patches <laughs> from <laughs> for cards. That's the only yeah real real issue. But yeah, um, coming back to the uh, creature element of it all, the issue here is, and that goes back to the uh, debate about threats and answers we had in a German podcast as well. When creatures are as efficient as they are right now, they uh, present both answers and threats at the same time. Because their uh, like biggest opposing forces are creatures and planeswalkers. And if you have something that both answers your opponent's board state and presents a threat to your opponent at the same time, it is, of course, going to be more efficient than something that's a one-time use just by the simple nature of it. Yeah, sure. If you look at, like, um, Vintage or Legacy, there you get all the powerful cards, all the powerful removal cards, everything. You get every Planeswalker that is or was ever printed. Mm -hmm. And still, we have a big variety of decks going on. Well, maybe not in modern. Modern is, to be honest, a little. Modern bit... has been really diverse lately, actually. Well, I go before the bands. So, oh, yeah. Um, yeah, before the bands, it was like really a meme joke, to be honest. Modern. I, I look. I looked into it. I don't play modern. I don't have that much of a uh, uh, yeah clue about modern. But I knew it was a joke. Recently, we got uh, Phyrexian Probe banned. So we got something really powerful out of the mm -hmm. um, the meta. And what was it? Um, Golgari Grave Troll? Yeah, exactly. So they weakened um, dominant decks. So other decks could uh, push forward. Yeah. And in Vintage and Legacy, you have all of that. And you have like, like 10 decks at tier 1. Yeah. Mostly. So I mean, that's amazing. Miracles is probably the best deck in Legacy, but apart from Miracles, everything after that is like a ton of different decks that you can play that are all really good and can all still win against uh, Miracles. Or basically any other deck. Yeah. You just have to be a good pilot. Exactly. And, and that's, that's, that's what Magic is supposed to be, in my opinion. It's not just supposed to be decided on, okay, I've got... Stronger cards than you. Yeah. It's, I mean, matchups do play a role, of course. But in an ideal world, I feel like you uh, should be able to win basically any matchup if you play correctly and sideboard correctly. Yeah. Well, which is the case. Vintage and Legacy. Yeah. And not in Modern. And uh, Modern. I mean, not in Standard. So um, if you play... Um, don't know i think um the deck we mentioned last cast was uh, the teamer tower yeah and he won seven to one against maru vehicles so for maru vehicles it's basically impossible to win against teamer tower yep so that's um again bad design because there is no good removal not no good good sideboard cards you have to put um Hunger for or was appetite, appetite for, the, for the unnatural in your oh, sideboard, Jesus. and this feels so wrong. Mm -hmm. It's uh. yeah. If we had better spells, we'd uh, automatically have a wider variety of things we could play, which would lead to a more diverse format. Yeah, and I think we discussed this a little bit in our German cast Probably. about diversity of deck building if we had more removal yeah or better removal like uh, again a two cmc uh remove target artifact or like um, something like this or destroy a target artifact yeah that would be uh, really awesome yeah okay um i th so i think in the end we can say that planeswalkers are definitely cool and they add a lot to the game in terms I think of strategic yeah, depth yeah, yeah, I, I absolutely think they belong to magic. Abs yeah, definitely. They belong to magic. They feel right if they are well-designed, which they are 
most of the time, but not in a standard environment. Oh, actually, there's one last thing I would like to bring up oh, that yeah. is sure. a, a sort of meta issue with Planeswalkers. So with Planeswalkers and uh, other, let's say, face cards being as pushed as they are, we usually see these cards at Mythic Rarity. Back in uh, Shards of Alara, when Mythic Rarity was first introduced, Wizards explicitly promised that Mythic Rares were not just going to be a collection of the best cards in the set. Now, with Planeswalkers always being Mythic, and with them being as dominant as they are, I feel like they are very, very close to breaking that promise. Yeah, that's... Yeah, if you think of that, it's nearly true. Because most of the mythics aren't... They are powerful because they are mythic, but they aren't that powerful. Like, um, planar... Um, what was it called? I, I pulled Which one? That, I pulled that in Aether Revolt. Oh, planar as, bridge. Yeah, planar bridge. It's awesome. <laughs> it's, yeah. it's the flavor of what uh, Tesseract was doing, and it's awesome it's powerful and it feels right to be at mythic mm -hmm. um, rarity but it's not the best card so yeah you can't play it because it's just too expensive in standard maybe in edh but yeah, even, probably. even there in competitive not really <laughs> no not at all yeah but um yeah and gideon yeah that's true gideon and liliana are just too pushed mm-hmm yeah and i mean of course you could say that Bulk mythic exists. Uh, bulk mi bulk mythics exist, which could be seen as a counter argument. However, the uh, angle at which we're taking this is quite important. So yeah, bulk mythic, uh, bulk mythics, Jesus, <laughs> do exist, and it's fine for them to exist. But that doesn't change the fact that you build your standard deck if you want to build it in a way that it can compete with a lot of cards that are at Mythic Rarity, and thus fairly expensive. Yeah, that's true. And, oh, a, a, I think a good designed Mythic card was an Eldritch Moon, the Grimflayer. He I was... He's, he's powerful, and yep. it's, I think it's right that he's at Mythic, because he's really powerful, but he only fits in a certain way of deck, yeah, Delirium. that's fair. And, yeah, he, he's not that powerful. He's a good card, but not, you're like, yeah, yeah, I have to play him if I play green or, or green-black, whatever. Yeah, that is that is you, you very true. Well, you don't play at the, at the moment. If you don't play Delirium, you don't, uh, don't have any reason to play him. Yeah. So if you play your black-green Constrictor, there's no place for him. But if you play Delirium, he goes in. That's true. That's a very good point, and I really agree. That's what Mythics should be. If you have a diverse format, because you finally managed to uh, like balance all the different types of cards and everything, then you can have Mythics that are strong for one particular deck in your metagame. That's perfectly alright. Like It's okay to have a Mythic that's at like 10 euros that you need 4 of for a particular archetype. But it's not okay to have a mythic that costs like 25 to sometimes even 50 euros just because it fits into any deck that plays that color. Or is that powerful that you have to, you can only play one deck with him? Yeah, or, or that. If you want to play blue, uh, or yeah, let, just look at, uh, I think, Origin Standard and um, Khan Standard. If you played blue, Jace. Yep. You have to play Baby Jays. If you don't play Baby Jays, you're just bad. Yeah, your deck will be worse. There's no alternative. So that's bad design, mm -hmm. what we mentioned before. But yeah, that's the uh, last thing I wanted to mention. Uh, as we said, Planeswalkers are cool, but I feel like the design team needs to do quite a lot of work to get them maybe back into the right spot or maybe into the right spot for the first time. Yeah. True. Well, that was hell of a discussion. Yeah. I like that though. We should do that more often. Yeah, sure. I would like to do it more often. So we found a new way <laughs> to um, bridge 
um, well, how do we put them? To bridge the gaps in between the new releases and all of that. Yeah, because yeah, it's nothing is going on at the moment, as yep. you said. Well, well. Um, then I would say we can end this episode. Mm -hmm. I um, hope you enjoyed it. I yeah. hope you learned a little bit, a little bit um, something about design, <laughs> and um, yeah. Yeah, I think uh, we'll be seeing you all next time. Yep, until then.